So welcome to our ongoing series of Icons of Relocation podcast. My name is Simon Johnston. I'm the CEO of Icon Relocation, a provider of world-leading home search, moving technology and property management solutions. Today, our focus is on the issues and the very real pressures facing global moving. And to help us discuss this, I'm delighted to be joined by two of the most knowledgeable people I could ever hope to have with me namely Pauline Collins, who is the Partner Relations Manager for the Bormans Group, who are a true industry leader in this sector with their head offices based in the Netherlands. And alongside her, we have our own expert in moving logistics, Sharon Duncan, who is our Operations Director. Hello to you both. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you there. I think there's so many things to talk about and probably no bigger topic to maybe start this off. And if I could ask you, Pauline, on this is the Russia-Ukraine war. It must have had some sort of really quite substantial impact on the moving industry. Could you maybe walk us through that? Of course. Um, you know, it's uh, it's sad to be in the situation as well where we're still talking about the Russia-Ukraine war. You know, so so over one year um, since you know the conflict started, and it was a huge impact on on us, not just um, for the industry, but also just us as a company because we um, we have a presence in Moscow. You know, so we not only had to consider um, the impact on our business, but also you know our staff. Um, so it was a very personal situation for us because we we've been in Moscow for a very long time and we have um, long term staff there who are you know very loyal to the company and the company very loyal to them. We also had to take into consideration that we have an office in Prague um, and in Prague we have employees from both countries. You know, so suddenly we have a situation where we have have Ukraine and Russia working in the same office and you know testament to those people they they really um rose above it you know there was there was no sort of um personal issues no political issues within the the business itself but very supportive of each other and i think that demonstrated that the the conflict was not with the people it was you know with the bureaucracy um you know so we we saw a huge impact on the business um Business obviously increased because uh, as the situation escalated, the corporate started to move people out of the country. People also started moving back in. So it was traffic both ways. Um, but there were operational challenges. So we had to become quite creative and quite dynamic um, with adapting our processes to meet those operational challenges. And our team in Moscow were excellent. You know, we've had such positive feedback from them about how they've coped with the situation, knowing that they're going through personal conflict as well. Um, you know, but for example, we ran out of warehousing because so many people were being packed and we were relocating people, families were leaving, we were just sending crews in to pack up homes. And then we had to store it because we couldn't move it out of country. Um, so we had to look for warehousing solutions. Um, we then had to look at how we moved consignments out of the country. We had to become quite um, creative about our traffic routes. Um, and then we're lucky that we're headquartered, as you say, in, in The Hague in the Netherlands. So we started to use the Netherlands as our hub um, for exporting air freights and sea freights because we couldn't actually export out of um, Russia. And even as the situation has gradually improved, we are still actually using the Netherlands as a hub. So, um, you know, we had a dynamic team that were just having to react to situations as they were being thrown at them. And 
And so our long-term concerns in relation to us as a company, you know, for Vorman is, you know, the business has increased, but that only has a certain lifespan because, you know, the right. expat population will have moved out. Um, so it's how we then adapt our business to make sure that those people that have worked for us for a long time, how they're still gainfully employed in the future. You know, so it's thankfully we're also familiar with remote working now that, you know, we can actually put them onto other business regardless of where their situation. So, you know, and, and Sharon, I'll leave you to talk a little bit more about the industry and um, the impact on the industry as well, because um, I've been talking for quite a long time already. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fantastic. I, 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 it, was, it was fascinating because obviously I'm seeing it from your point of view and and to hear the struggles, especially having offices. And when you when you sort of said we had an office in Prague and they were there were team members working, you know, working with each other from Russia and Ukraine. It just shows you just how beautiful people are, you know, that there's mm -hmm. this war going on and they wouldn't let, knowing that, you know, families on either side and they just didn't, you know, they understood that it wasn't them that was sort of creating this war, which is, which is a beautiful. I mean, we know even now still, it's still a very fluid situation with regards to, um, you know, what is available out there for, for removals as such, because we, we hit, um, a lot of challenges, especially with regards to air freight, because the space the space was limited. The air, you know, there was restrictions in place, and therefore less airlines travelling and less cargo space, and therefore everybody went for road, and that meant that there was an increasing road transport, and of course they couldn't go through certain borders, so they had to find different routines, and we had to be, uh, you know, we had to be versatile in that nature, and also reach out to our partners to see who can actually cover the business and who was still opening and still very much packed. We, we were in the same situation where we had certain assignees that had to be moved quickly because they were leaving and held it and then found a solution in order to get it up because even with FCL the shipping out of Russia you, you couldn't do the normal stunt it had to go by Korea for example so it was an incredible challenge but I think for us it was families it was families being affected and it's also about having you know showing expectations it's sort of sort of managing those expectations because I mean, that they had themselves to worry about. They wanted to make sure that their family was okay and that they had their personal items that, you know, to, in order to, to be able to house them and, and home them. So it was just about managing those expectations, letting letting people know what we are able to accomplish and, and looking at different routes and working with partners like yourself, you know, in order to find those right solutions to get the families moving, to get their goods out safely. Um, so it was it was a massive impact. And of course, we had just come out of COVID. I mean, COVID, we were trying to find our footing with regards to now the industry's changed. And I think, you know, COVID was awful, awful, awful. And I know I'm moving on to something different. So I'll wait until we get addressed. No, I'm sure I think that's a, that's a really good link, Sharon, actually. Yeah. I, I just, let's just pick up on that. I mean, okay. we're talking, talking about the, the Ukraine war, That that's the whole of it. But uh, obviously, we just came out of a, a problem before with COVID. And, yeah. That must have changed industry uh, at the time, but oh. taking uh, looking forward, what do you think that the lasting legacy of that is for the industry? So what it looks like, so for me personally, um, of course, before COVID, um, I was in the office every single day. Um, I used to have a key because I had to lock up, otherwise I would have been thrown up because you know, we used to work, um, you know, you wanted to get projects done. And then, of course, COVID happened and it was an unbelievable feeling. I remember sitting in the office and they were saying, because I, my mother lives with me and she's vulnerable. And they said, you need to go home, Sharon, because your mother's vulnerable. And it, I just couldn't comprehend or understand what was happening, because in today's world, 
they you know day and age we would never think that you would actually be affected by a virus that they couldn't you know they were trying to find a way mm. to 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 and i just I, for me I, I i went home obviously straight away and we obviously set up working from home um and it was a very blessed time because that's a time where i actually got to spend with my mother as well so i think you know in that regard um, I was there more often at home for my mother. I'll bake working um, because we were crazy busy because a lot of people were trying to get home because of COVID. They wanted to be with their families. Um, but it just changed the whole dynamic of the industry as we see it today. Mm. You would never, if, if you'd ever thought so, if I'm looking back at, say, eight years, say, but just say eight years ago, we were talking about becoming paperless and how we were going to do it. And I, when I used to manage moves, I used to have, at least 50 plus files behind me with all paper in it. And at that stage, eight years ago, when we were talking about becoming paperless. I was like, oh, that's going to be a challenge. We need to have a look to see how we can do that. Then a few years down the line, I managed to have my team paperless. And that was actually just before COVID actually sort of sort of hit. Actually, well before that, because we were doing quite well with the systems that we had. We utilised the systems in order to be able to manage the paperless style within the office. And when when COVID hit, of course, it was about setting everybody up at home. And luckily enough, because we had that paperless stream, it was about just making sure that we they were OK, firstly, because obviously it's the mental health aspect of it as well. You go into the office, you interact with people every single day. You know, have sure. you you have your support network, you have your support from your colleagues and from you, you create friendships and to, to be isolated at home because you do feel like you're isolated. I mean, getting up at six in the morning to queue outside a shop just to make sure that you've got right. food, you know, etc. So it's just <laughs> the industry itself. Okay, I'm running off. I'm going, running off on a different thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's all very interesting. Yeah, but it, it's it's. Saying all this, all the industry, how do you see the industry? So actually, Pauline, could you maybe sort of share your views? I mean, what do you see has yeah. changed in the industry from, from the COVID years? Yeah, I think a lot has changed in the industry. And I think, you know, our attitudes and, and just approach to business has now changed as well. You know, Sharon touched on um, the paperless there. But, you know, I think technology mm. came to its fore, um, to, came to the forefront. You know, it was the one thing right. that um, really took hold during the pandemic you know when we started um, working remotely you know doing a team call was or a zoom call would have been you know completely alien to many of us you know it wasn't a familiar way of us communicating and now it's the norm you know it's mm. um you know i think technology within the industry um you know virtual surveys had um already been utilized but not to its full efficiencies you know and suddenly it's the solution for that face-to-face -face, um you know sort of interaction that you have with your clients you can't go out to their homes anymore but we were able to still function normally because at Vorman we had already been working with virtual surveys so for us it was technology within our process um you know and i think you can just uh, jump in for a second there because i think you've raised a really interesting point i don't mean to interrupt you and i'll keep it to a minimum but virtual yeah. surveys is a really interesting point for those who are not familiar with that could you just very quickly e explain what that means yeah so it just means where um historically or i suppose traditionally um we would send a surveyor out to somebody's home to view the items that they wish to move um and you have that relationship with the the assignee in their home you're sort of you're you're assessing the volume 
during the pandemic, that was no longer possible. So we now work through um, virtual survey platforms and, and, you know, we utilize a MoveView platform called SurveyPro, um, but there are other ones out there. And um, yeah, we, we it's it's a call. You, you dial into this platform and you interact with your assignee and effectively you walk around the home with them. The only difference is you're not walking alongside them. They're carrying you on their tech you know their ipad or their iphone and they're they're sort of showing you the house they're opening drawers opening cupboards exactly the same way as you would do if you were standing beside them the benefits is um you you don't have to be there you know so one we you know we'll talk about sustainability but we're not Mm -hmm. using resources we're not using and we're not adding to our carbon footprint by sending somebody out to the home to view Um, we're also recording um, the the survey, so we have that for reference at later stages of the move process. And you know, you still have the ability to interact with the person moving, and you get to know them because you're still in their home. Um, but it just meant that we, as a company, could continue to operate um, as we did normally, um, just by by being able to conduct those services surveys and some companies have reverted back to working in in physical surveys but we actually have I suppose mandated is a strong word but our objective is to have at least 95% of our surveys carried out virtually even after the pandemic so nice. you know we look there's a lot of negative association with the pandemic but I think you know it did actually there's a lot of positives as well you know and technology for me is definitely one of those um, positives you know the, in, the moving industry is quite well I suppose resistant to change maybe is the way to put it you know we do things the way we've always done them um, but you know technology is something that we're now always talking about um, other things for me, how the industry has changed going forward is, I think we value partnership um, much more. I think it was a difficult time for us as an industry. Um, we learned how to speak to each other um, outside our normal means of, you know, sort of getting together conferences or association meetings or whatever. We learned how to communicate on teams. Um, and I think we have all retained that within our processes. Um, we became more adaptable as companies. We had to become more agile as companies as well. You know, we our teams had to problem solve and we had to deal with freight issues, not just pandemic related, but we talked about the Ukraine conflict as well. Um, all of that was, you know, sort of, it's been for some time we've been dealing with these challenges. And I think we've even stopped calling them challenges now. They're just normal life um, and it's how we deal with it. But um Employee retention was another thing that we've had to, you know, changed in the industry. How do we keep our people? Um, you know, and and I think a lot of companies in our industry has acknowledged that, you know, our employees are also our customers. We have to make them want to work for us. Um, so I think, yeah, the industry has changed um, quite a lot. And it's not just in relation to the operational side of what we do, but it's our whole attitude to our clients, to how we move things, how we um, deal with our people, how we support our people. A lot of changes. I just say, listen to you both. It's, it's really interesting because a very negative thing happened in the form of COVID. But both of you expressed a wave of positivity for the industry on the back of that. Uh, and that's really said. So uh, that's really encouraging. Uh, thank you I so think, much. I think with hmm. regards to people as well, with regards to retention, etc. I think it's also has opened up who we can 
have you know open up the scope of who we can employ because there's now no longer within driving distance of your of your office because before we would look for I would look for a job where it's within driving distance because I've got to travel in now people are going you know opening up the scope we can now employ talent from all over the UK and also over Europe I mean I, I, you know you're now not limited to where you can work and I think having the working at home the life balance um, and I think a lot of good has come out, especially technology, as you say, team meetings. We, we've adapted a new style and, and a way forward in order to be able to accommodate, uh, you know, everybody in order, you know, in order to be able to combat the issues we've had with COVID. I, I mean, COVID was awful. Mm, I, mean, I, I think the word, though, is adaptive, yeah. I have to say, uh, which yeah. kind of leads me on to a sort of next sort of question. Um, Obviously, there were a lot of challenges and changes over that period during the availability and congestion. I mean, some of it was really oh, famous in the press and news. Um, so Sharon, can you maybe expand on sort of very quickly what happened and also what is availability and congestion like now? So firstly, now, really positive. It's starting to stabilise and we are starting to see a lot more availability. Whereas before, before COVID hit us, we were loading containers at the residence, taking it to port, shipping it out, loading air freight, getting that trial, getting it ready to go. Unfortunately, when COVID hit, obviously everything completely slowed down. Um, the ports became congested. They had containers sitting at port for four to six weeks to try and get it onto a vessel. Of course, the, the thing that the challenge, I think the main challenge for us is the commodity that we move, household removals. That is looked as as deemed the lowest form of commodity with regards to removals. They will look at humanitarian consignments first. They will look at refrigerated okay. commercial consignments first, and then comes household effects. And I think besides the challenge and the struggles we've had with regards to trying to obtain space onto on on vessels and on flights, we also had to contend with the fact that we're actually not important to the shipping lines. We're not important to the airlines. They're looking at commercial consignments, humanitarian consignments. So ours was the lowest form. So it was incredibly challenging. But I think, again, it's all down to managing those expectations, letting the assignee know from the onset that it's most likely going to sit at port between four to six weeks before it's actually, actually not even at port, at our warehouse to allow us to get haulage and then get it into port. Then it'll sit right. there for another four to six weeks whilst it's waiting to go. And of course, with that came additional problems, which I'm sure Pauline, you would agree, Moldo Moldo became something that was very much at the forefront because things were waiting for so long in a container waiting to go. And we started seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of things coming out of that with regards to claims with regards to Mulder Muldu. And then how do we combat that? We had to use silica gel more in order to to try and help combat that and look at different types of materials we could use. So a lot mm. of that, you know, a lot of um, the effect, obviously I think the impact of that has made us look as a whole, I think as an industry of how we how we pack and move things and how and what, what materials and, and what we can utilize to help, you know, reduce the the thought of Mulder Muldu. I, I don't know, Pauline, would you agree? Yeah, no, I think um, the the congestion and the availability of freight um, and capacity issues had much more of an impact other than the volatility in costs and, you know, just um, inconvenience for our clients. You know, we did see because we were having to increase the handling, um, you know, there were challenges. The insurance claims became higher because there was more handling. There was more um, susceptibility to um 
to environment, so mould and mildew as well. So yeah, I think it we did see an impact on that. Um, I think the one thing that we learned from, and we were talking about being agile and adaptable, the one thing we did learn because of the congestion and the challenges with freight is that how important it is to be proactive with management of information. Um, you know, we definitely had, we've always been quite communicative, but I think we really had to step up with our communication and transparency and um, within the process. You know, we, um, we had to be very transparent with our corporate clients and with the people that we were moving to make sure that they were fully aware of the challenges. You know, we we started doing monthly updates to our clients. We started, um, you know, our industry association started issuing white papers they were very supportive supportive of the moving and the relocation industry just um in sort of sharing information and, and making sure that it was coming from an association rather than individual companies um you know freight costs really escalated so wow. suddenly we that was yeah, crazy yeah. we had uh, budgets that were not being met and um oh, that's and, a key you know, factor so, Sorry yeah. to, to interrupt yeah. you, but just to pick up on that, I mean, freight rates were famous, and as well as alluding to in, in the press, it was talking mm -hmm. about. C could you just give a quick view? Is that still the case? And um, if it has changed, why has it changed? Yeah, we're seeing some stabilisation within the freight industry, um, it, not back to pre-pandemic levels, you know, and on mm. some lanes it is still, you know, an imbalance um, from Europe to the US, for example, it hasn't stabilized so much, but from Asia to Europe, there has been some stabilization, which is great because that's where we saw the most volatility. Um, you know, I suppose there's also there's still capacity issues, but the capacity issues are there because um, the shipping industry reduced their availability of vessels, they reduced the number of vessels on routings, they changed routings, um, you know, so there are still capacity issues, but for different reasons. Um, you know, we then saw um, the commercial sector was much more, um, people were ordering from home, so, you know, um, there's a lot more sort of purchasing. Um, so. Amazon and you know they were all buying and and we even saw a change in the buying cycles on the commercial side you know because people were concerned about their products reaching um country of destination in time for it to hit the Christmas market for example so the buyers were all buying much earlier so there was then a shift in the the buying and the shipping pattern, which then had an impact on the shipping line schedule. So there weren't enough vessels. Um, and as Sharon said, unfortunately, household effects is a low priority commodity. You know, it is the commercial commodity. So all of that has an impact, you know. But I do feel for our clients, the people that mm. we move, because they, like, I'm tired of hearing about the impact of COVID on our industry and the impact of the U war in Ukraine. You know, they must be so tired um, about hearing it because. Right. Yeah. So do you think actually gone. picking up on that part as well, because that's a, that's a really interesting aspect. So do you think this has changed people's expectations, perhaps, or has their priorities changed on the back of that? Could you maybe sort of pick up on that a little bit before going back to Sharon? Yeah, I think um, I think we're seeing a mixed reaction, you know, People are less tolerant. Um, they are tired of hearing about pandemic-related challenges. Um, so, you know, some, no matter how much you manage expectations, if people are not happy, and it's not just the pandemic, it's, you know, we've had gone through, particularly in the UK, we've gone through series of crises, you know, so people are just tired of listening to that bad news. So they're less tolerant. Um, you know, and I think they are... 
we've become insular as well. We, you know, we we had to live apart for a time due to COVID. So suddenly your whole world is, you know, the extension of your, you know, your own house. And um, so you become less tolerant of the external factors, you know, and we see it in day to day life. You know, when you go into the supermarket and they haven't got your chosen brand on the shelf, you know, suddenly it's the worst thing in the world, you know, and that's, you know, it's it's not reasonable. Um, so I find that I've become unreasonable myself. Um, and I'm sure that is, you know, as, a, as an impact of, of just the world that we're in today. So for me, I do also think that, you know, on a positive note, I don't like to always be negative, but that um, people are more supportive of each other as well. You know, maybe not when it's um, in relation to moving their household effects, but I do think, you know, people are supporting and, and that's why I said there's a mix of reaction from people. Um, no, yeah. Very insightful. Sharon, is there anything you'd like to add? Because I've, I've got a big question coming up, which I'm desperate to ask you to, but <laughs> I, I, I really feel there is something out to you would like to add to that, Sharon. So. No, I definitely agree. I find when, when COVID started, um, people were very understanding. And um, um, I think at this stage now, I think they're just so fed up. Um, and they just don't want to, they just want to hear positive news and that their goods are underway. And of course, um, as Melina's alluded to, that it's still, unfortunately, at this stage, there are still delays, but not to the extent that it used to be. I mean, we wouldn't have a container right. sitting for eight weeks before it's, before it's shipped. Um, also, I think, I think Asani is now taking more with them. So now they think about the essentials and they change their mindset of what to take with them on their flights. Can I get a, a larger air freight allowance in order for the goods to get, get there quicker? So they're also looking at what I think what the allowances are and what they can push in order to take and, and get it there quicker rather than looking at just purely sea freight. So I think that also has changed um, yeah, with regards that, that. to that. That's really interesting, isn't it? There has been quite a notable change. I, I can see that. Yeah. I, I, I really want to ask you, ladies, a, a sort of different question. So allow me to move the conversation and, and something that's, I think, close to all our hearts at the moment, and that is around environmental and sustainability issues. I know every company is working hard, the industry is and working hard. Perhaps I can, I can start with you again, Pauline. What are Vorman Group doing in regard to reducing your carbon footprint or be more sustainability, but also what is the industry doing or what can we do? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, sustainability is a hot topic, not just within our industry, but, you know, in general. Um, and I think when we think about sustainability and, and the environment, I think it's quite easy to become overwhelmed um, because it's such a, a, a huge task, you know, and we are moving companies. So what, what impact do we have? But I think... The one thing, and I talk about our, our industry associations, they have been excellent at, you know, getting people together, um, Omni, Fidi, you know, they're all collaborating on what we as an industry can do. Um, but I think there's uh, one initiative we we took on board when our clients started talking to us about, you know, the, the environmental impact of, of their um, relocation uh, policies was um, carbon offsetting, you know, and I think there's a little mm -hmm. bit of negativity around carbon offsetting set programs because it can be considered to be a little bit of greenwashing. Um, so we were very careful about 
what we were going to implement because we wanted to make sure it was something that was, you know, um, it could be audited, you know, that it was, we weren't right. going to greenwash. Um, so we looked at a, a platform called EcoLegit and, um, you know, it was really easy to implement. So for us, it was a little bit of a quick fix to the conversation, um, but it was one that was, it had, um, it had a, you know, sort of, integrity behind it you know so it's very easy to implement we we literally just upload the information that we already use in our day-to-day -day business you know the the weight of a shipment the, the origin destination and the the program then the algorithm calculates what our, our carbon um you know footprint is and you know there's a separate dashboard that our clients can look at and it's got a small cost associated with it um it's audited by one of our industry um recognizable auditing firms possible um and you know there is um substance to it so that was a very quick thing that we implemented um I'm very lucky that I work for a Dutch company and they've always been quite innovative and they've always had, you know, an environmental sort of policy. So, you know, we were already operating electric vehicles and the Dutch ride their bikes, you know, to work. So, well, the Dutch you know, were famously ahead of the curve on this. I exactly. Yeah, you know, in the 1970s, they were already, you know, putting together environmental packages, you know, and they were one of right. the the countries to adopt, to first adopt the United Nations, you know, sustainable goals, the 17 SDGs. Mm -hmm. um, so, as I say, I'm very lucky to work for a company that is so far ahead. In fact, to the point that we don't even think about them as being sustainable initiatives, because that's just how we do business, you know. So when right. we, it's best practice. Yeah. Exactly. So when we had to um you know for some of our clients we had to sort of prove our sustainable our, our environmental footprint um we struggled with it because we didn't measure it we just did it as part of our day-to-day -day working practices you know so we were going well we do all of this but i can't give you a report because it's just what we do um, but as I said, I think it, it's quite overwhelming for companies, particularly small companies, because they think, you know, everybody is pushing the sustainable topic down the supply chain, you know, so right. performance is a fairly substantial size company, but we work with very Absolutely. small companies, you know, and suddenly we've got um, a, a a partner who is not only you know we expect them to have a higher level of administration within the packing crews but now they've got to you know provide prove that they're sustainable um you know so i think you have to just take it in steps you know when when people talk to me about it, i say if you're if you're looking at changing your truck maybe consider an electric vehicle or you know rather than your normal sort of um you know fuel vehicle um or just look at how your office operates you know maybe change your light switches so that they're timed or you know there are very small steps that people can take um that you don't have to do everything overnight and i think every step we take is you know combined it will make a difference um I think it's then, a very valid comment. I will echo that completely. Every yeah. small step counts. I mean, Sharon, yeah. as well, I know you're in the yeah. heart of it from the business. We're working, we're doing so much around this. But is there anything that you would like to add to that in regards to maybe the industry as well as ourselves on this? Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think um, it's also about how we manage the jobs and how we, um, so for instance, if we have a small little collection in a day before, we just go pick that up, pack it and, and bring it back. Now we look at combining it with other jobs to obviously um, limit the amount of carbon footprint is out there. So if we're in that area, and it's the same with surveys, if we're in the area or doing doing surveys via vi uh, virtual in order to limit our carbon footprints, it's about having materials that are are we can reuse that that's you know everything surrounding i think as you said every single small, small step helps and it's like the office when we go into the office you, you got to walk into the area for the lights to come on so yeah. so we know that's off if we're not in the office the, the heating switched off um you know it's it's everything we do i think we're more conscious about that now i bring that into my home you know if you're not in a room switch the light off you know so it's about what you pick up from work and you transfer into your personal life as well how can i not use my vehicle as much in order to be able to get from a to b and it's it's just it's just it, it does it, it, that thought process is in your mind in order to be able to help as much as we can with the environment so mm -hmm. yeah but I think as an industry, we are communicating mm. more about what we're doing Absolutely. as well, you know, and yeah. it's not just us as an industry, we're, we're also communicating with our supply chain. So, you know, we're looking at what shipping lines are doing. We're talking to our corporate clients, what initiatives are they, you know, sort of implementing within their businesses. And I think, um, you know, if you're a, a small company or you're looking for a way of, um, you know, sort of changing or implementing a sustainability policy, you see if you can, you know, support your client with what they're doing you know maybe it's too much of a burden for you to sort of set something up yourself but maybe your client is implementing something that you can support you know and I think it's um, initiatives even just supporting local you know buying local um, you know and and, and and considering that you know, more charitable how you can mentor young people all of that is goes towards those 17 SDGs you know and yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot becoming we can do. paperless. I think that's one of the main. I cannot tell you how much paper I used to print off, how thick the files were. I mean, how many trees had to yeah. suffer because we were printing all the time. You know, even that is just such a technology plays such an important part as well you know, with regards to that. It's really interesting that you say that because one of our objectives, which then becomes one of my objectives because it relates to um, our partner network, is digitalization within mm -hmm. the moving industry. You know, we Absolutely. we generate a lot of paper inventories, you know, packing yeah, lists which... or paper, you know, and, you know, it, it takes even internally and we're really, you know, committed to this digital transformation within our process. But even so, we had resistance internally, you know, from our own crews about um, the implementation of it. And this year is, you know, we are, there's no work tickets. Everything is on iPads, you know, and we're enforcing that internally. But it's taken three years for us to reach this stage. And we're one of the, you know, one of I the supporters you, of it. <laughs> oh, I love, I love hearing that because I think how many times have we had someone come back and say, oh, I can't read the inventory. What does this say? And it holds up clearances. So there's a lot of benefits with regards to that, yeah. because not only that, it's how quick the information flows through the system. Yeah. So you have a pack and then all of a yeah. sudden you've got the inventory with the final volumes and it just makes life so much easier in all aspects, but also environmentally as well. 
So no, totally good, me, that's right. I, yeah. I'm a big fan. Uh, digitization is is as close to my heart, as I'm sure you all know. But yeah. to have all information yeah. in all right places all at the same time, it's got to be the goal. And and yeah. of course, you can do that whilst actually being sustainable, which is, is really yeah. interesting. Well, it's uh, funny, Simon, things... I was going to say all of your questions have had a connection, you know, so we've talked about sustainability, we've talked about technology, we've talked about the impact of um, mm. the world on our industry, you know, who knew that Ukraine was one of the biggest providers of um, timber? You know, right. so it's impacted uh, the availability of packing materials, the um, availability of timber to make crates, um, timber to produce um, paper. So, you know, if there's none of that, then we have to be digital, you know, so everything is connected. You know, the the war in Ukraine has um, caused a, a shortage in those consumables. We want to push digitalization. Yeah. And, you know, and we want to be sustainable. So three of our questions are all very nicely interlinked. So very <laughs> clever well, of you to do go. that. Well, you. It's, it, it is just so it's all linked as well. And the other thing I was going to say, actually, and I, I do generally mean this for the moving and the relocation industry, is how generous everybody is with their ideas and support. Because if one company has got a great idea that could impact themselves on sustainability, that is shared across almost the whole industry incredibly quickly. Uh, and that's what's so exciting about this, is that I think there's a real snowball effect coming here. We can all help each other move forward. However, I just want to sort of close this. And thank you both for this conversation. You know, this has been so, uh, so informative. But I know, um, Pauline, that you recently came back from the LACM conference in the Americas. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that stands for the Latin American and Caribbean International Movers Association, which kind of rolls off the tongue. We like to call it. Thank you. Now, obviously, so you just come back from a conference. You obviously have a bit of a view about personal views on that, but also what's been talked about. Could you maybe just close us off here by just giving us a bit of a summary on that and some of the key discussion points? Yeah, I think, you know, there's an irony when we've just finished a conversation about sustainability and then I'm talking about, you know, being at a conference at LACMA, you know, two weeks ago in Argentina. And I think it's, again, part of the conversation that's taking place within the within the industry. And and I've just, um, the Feedy Focus has just um, gone to publication for March. And in there, there I have an opinion piece on mindful travel, you know, within the industry. And it, is there a future um, for conferences within the industry and we've, we've listed various um, pros and cons and there's like a, a pro and a, a, a con sort of um, view within the magazine but I think our industry is a people industry you know our product is our people we do move people you know and, and we move but our industry is based on relationships and I think you know for um and, and I found it very much so at LACMA. I hadn't been to a LACMA conference before. I've been in the industry for 34 years, and this is my first LACMA conference. But it is about um, making connections with people. And I think because LACMA in particular is a smaller conference, um, it's only 200 people, whereas the other conferences are much bigger. I've made a very personal connection with people that I have known for years and just sort of, you know, we've passed at other conferences. So I think, um, you know, we can... We can travel. We have to do it more considered. I think we can no longer just say we'll get on a plane and then we'll come back and then we'll get on a plane again and come back that we need to try and look at 
what conferences bring value to us as a business, um, where they're located. We're lucky that we're a tri-regional company, so we don't have to send somebody from the Netherlands to Bali to attend a conference. We have somebody in Singapore who can go and it's a shorter trip. But, And I think it also then op opens opportunity. We talked about employee retention. It, it opens opportunities for those in our companies who may not necessarily have had the opportunity to go to these conferences before. So, you know, the start of 2023 we put a list together of all of the industry conferences and it was eye-opening because you could be a professional conference goer I could be on a plane every week and um, going to a conference but we looked at the ones where we thought it brought value to us as a business not just for the sake of going then we looked at who we were going to send and it has opened opportunities for the younger members of our teams to attend so it's not just the old dinosaurs like me who's going um but you know and i think that then encourages employee retention because they see our industry as being much more than you know move coordination or they see an opportunity to travel they see an opportunity to meet more people they learn different cultures you know and i think so i do think there is a need for travel and conferences um, and because it adds so much to our industry and it's such a big part of our industry but I do think we have to do it a little bit more mindfully than perhaps we have done so in the past um, so like my personal experiences I love people I love talking so for me it's you know it's just the best environment <laughs> um, you know people can't get away from me <laughs> but it is <laughs> but I do think you know it's it, we we are only as good as our partner network and to be have a very successful partner network you have to have established relationships with people and whilst we can do a lot of that on teams a lot of it is face to face um, you know what that is people. such a good comment I feel compelled to sort of pause the conversation there because what a lovely way to finish it off is saying it is all about our part network and working with each other and the people aspect uh Pauline Sharon thank you so much for your time this is really enjoyable I look forward to next time we can get together and pick up on the the topics of the day in due course so thank you absolutely. both absolutely thank you Simon thank you so much eh? thanks Take bye <laughs>